Andy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 253. Uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding, sweetie? I do. And also remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, so we have a lot to cover, as usual. We're going to sometime soon get into two shows a week, but just not yet. But Maybe so- next week. Sometime soon. So these uh, weekly shows might run a little long because we don't have a second show to do. And we are confronted with a metaphorical and literal issue. What is it? There's a fly in the studio. Flies bother me because they zoom around and they buzz in my ear and it drives me crazy. And they come from poop. They do come from poop. They grow in poop. That's like their home. So we have a (laughs) poop-flying organism... (laughs) <laughs> flying around Poor our studio. flies. They didn't, they weren't asked to be born of poop. No. So whenever you're mad because your life stinks, <laughs> just be glad you're not a fly. <laughs> and you weren't born in the poop. Yes. But here's the thing about the fly. Do all, do all flies, are they born of poop? <laughs> I don't Or is that I just some know. of them? I think some of them. Because here's my kind of embarrassingly weird, gross story. Oh, no. Um, you know, whenever, when our children were younger, there was diapers yes. and we throw the diapers in the garbage. Yes. And oh, yes. the flies would find, hey, there's poop in this garbage can. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had a. And then there would be maggots. maggots. Oh, it's disgusting. And, but it doesn't happen anymore because we don't have diapers. We don't poop in the, in the garbage can anymore. You don't anymore. poop in the garbage can uh-uh, anymore? I, I used to. <laughs> I'm all done. <laughs> You've decided to go indoor plumbing? Yeah. I'm evolving. I'm an evolved person. Well, this is why I bring up the fly is because in life, Sometimes when you're trying to do something, there's little things, maybe a list that you think you should be getting to or somebody who is making loud noise outside. There's always a fly and we have to make a decision mm-hmm. how we are going to have our experience. Am I going to folk that fly? This it's fly so is literally just zooming, zooming right be- <laughs> like it knows that we are talking, talking about it. it. And he's part of the show. He's yes. the third host. Maybe it's a she. It's a she. She went in the closet. You're looking the wrong way. No, she's, she's oh, over she there. Is? Oh, yeah. she's so fast. Yes. So we're going to deal <laughs> with that fly just the way this we try. This is part of our Zen practice. This is our Zen practice. So, but it, if you hear a big thwack, then maybe it just you, became too you much. You kill the fly, sweetie. But I don't really want to do that. I, I would much rather let her go out. The, we uh, catch window. most insects like spiders and things like that, and we place them outside. Absolutely. But flies don't like to get caught in cups and then to be placed flies outside. Flies are tough. The thing that Cameron and I try and do the most is open the door because mm-hmm. they usually go to the screen. Right. And then you open the door and they go out. But I have to say, just to be fully forthcoming, mm-hmm. I have had my share of flies that have been swatted in my house. Yes, you have. Yes. So here's a few things about what we're going to talk. The main focus of today's show, and don't get into it yet, sweetie, is gender and books. And you want to talk about the movie Trainwreck and Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Hunger Games and things like that. Correct. But I have a few quick um, things that I want to talk about. Um, The first thing is our Facebook thing. Um, Okay. You taught me a way to make sure that Zen Parenting – because Zen Parenting Radio doesn't even show up on my feed very Correct. often. So what is that trick? So if you go to the Facebook page, Todd, go there right now so you can kind of talk I'm going there right now. So as you guys know, Facebook changes its algorithm all the time. So there's always new things that you have to stay on top of. And although, and although there's a lot of social networking, Todd and I spend most of our time on Facebook because it's the easiest. And it's connected to a Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, on Facebook, if you hover over – 
the word notifications. Is that correct? I, I, well, I already liked it. So it's already liked. So if you click over, if you hover over liked, it says get notifications Great. underneath the like. So you hover over like. And you can click on get notifications. And what get notifications means is that every time we post something, it will show up in your news feed. But then it even has another thing is once you hover over get notifications and you click a check mark by it, it will go below and say, in your news feed, you can click on see first. Oh, okay. So um, so anyways. there's many layers. Or you can do default, which is just post as usual. So if Zen Parenting Radio Facebook page is an important one in your news feed, just go over the liked button on our page and then click on get notifications and then it'll go to the see first and click on that. So that's just one of those things you can do that for our page, which is obviously why we're telling you that because we do post a lot on the page, but any page that you've liked. The other trick that I have love, which has probably been around for a year, but I just started doing it like this month. You can um, unfollow a friend yes, who drives not, you crazy, right. but not defriend the person. Perfect, right? Yes. And I'm, with all due respect to all those people out there, I'm unfollowing a lot of you. Well, and I think the reason why that's so important to me is a lot of times the reason people complain about social networking is they're like, oh, I can't stand these people a lot, their lives, the complaining. You have to take control of your newsfeed, yeah. meaning you decide what's in your newsfeed. Mm-hmm. If there's someone that's driving you crazy, it doesn't mean you don't like them as a person. You're just their posts aren't doing it for yeah. you. And then same with the pages that you've liked. If you're like, wow, I liked – Amy Schumer, but she never shows up in my newsfeed. Go to her page, page again and hover over the like and say get notifications. Yeah. You gotta you've gotta take ownership of your newsfeed. That's right. And you need to take ownership over your life. It's a metaphor for your life. Or as Joseph Campbell says, a metaphor. A metaphor. <laughs> Um, our first partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Dr. Kelly's website is chirotree.com, Elmhurst, Illinois, but she does uh, she has people coming in from all over Chicagoland area, 630-941-8733. She's our first partner. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, some corporate news. IBM will now start shipping working mom's breast milk back home when they're on business trips. How cool. Alyssa Milano got mad and she put something on Twitter. We know who Alyssa Milano is, don't we, sweetie? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? She was what a cute, was her name? She Not- was a cute little girl who turned into a pretty attractive young woman. She was a really pretty girl too. What was her name on that show? Not Amanda. Not Allison. What was her name? I don't know. Come on, Tony. I don't- Tony Banta. Tony Banta. He always was so original with. He was his always names. Tony. <laughs> Do you like- have your phone? Uh, yes. Will you hand it to me? Because I didn't bring mine down here and I can't go to Google. Like, what about like, you know, I don't know who decides is uh, in charge of like character naming in a TV show, but like... Like, okay, let's get Tony Danza to do this. Which we name? Uh, let's just go with Tony. Tony. Well, he's such a Tony. And by the way, before I even Googled, I thought of it. Samantha. 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 Sam. Because and Jonathan. Remember, and Jonathan. Do you remember Samantha was like a total tomboy and then she started to like like dresses or she put on a dress and Tony was all flipped out? I just remember because uh, I liked that show for a while. Do you? I, I No, not do I. Did I? Do you know the words? I do. Sing it. Now this is his van is going by. I'm not going to sing it. It's a really bad song, isn't it? Most of the 80s sitcom openings were pretty tough. I bet we've been together for a million years. We should do that duet, sweetie. We'll do that at the Zen Parenting Radio Conference. Actually, it's called the Zen Parenting Conference Zen now. Parenting Conference. We'll do that. That'll be our intro. 
I'll, We're gonna sing the Family Ties theme song. We'll start. We'll practice right now. I bet we've been together for a million years. You know why don't we? Come practice? on, do it, do it, sweetie. Come on, <laughs> be bold. Make your move. Make your move. Come on. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm not. Fine. Gonna I'll do it. it. And I bet we've been together for a million more. Maybe she sounded pretty good. It didn't. But maybe uh, at the conference you can just sing it. I'm singing it. <laughs> I'm choosing it. And my buddy uh, Jerry O'Keefe is playing at uh, Tannins on September 17th. That's a free plug for him. It's in Elmhurst. You know what? And one man of, acoustical jam. Well, except for one song, which Ooh. Todd tries to take over. What do you mean, sweetie? You try and... Every, Cheer up, sleepy jeans. When Jer plays at Tannins, Todd always... So much so... Let, let me just start over. So Todd always shows up to to listen to Jer because he's our good buddy, but also he always sings Daydream Believer with him. And last time Jer played, we had a family night. We were going downtown to eat dinner and stuff, but we decided to stop by Tannins and Todd ran in. We couldn't go in because I had the children and sing the song and then leave. Yeah. Because he didn't want to, he didn't want his public to. I didn't want my fans to be disappointed by right. not hearing Daydream Todd's Believer. That's all heart. I'm all heart. Okay, let's move on. So IBM, uh, the shoot, uh, so, uh, so Alyssa Milano said they just, t- she was at Heathrow, London Heathrow Airport. Okay. They just took away my pumped breast milk. 10 ounces gone. Not okay. And this is what um, Heathrow responded on Twitter. Hi, Alyssa. Unfortunately, without a baby present, the government requires all liquids and carry-ons to follow the 100 milliliter rule. Okay. And her response is basically like, if I had the baby, I would not need to store this breast milk because it would be in my baby's belly. She was traveling. It's and stupid. Right. Exactly. So anyways, and then the other thing is... See, but I got to say, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but that's a tough one for me because I see both sides. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, she should be able to keep her breast milk, just a given. Yeah. But the airport mm-hmm. has certain rules mm-hmm. based on all the rules that well, they been... need to come up with a test to make sure that breast milk isn't bomb stuff right and but don't i mean when i have my bottle of water that i just took a sip out of and they take it away from me and they just watch me open it it's it's all kind of crazy mm-hmm. when you think about it it's all kind of mind-blowing what we have to do these days right. at an airport the reason i'm saying i see both sides is the government or i should say the airport Security has specific rules they need to... Yeah, I know. It's not easy. It's not... It's a little ambiguous. And now IBM is making it easy for the working What are they going to do? They're going to ship it for free. I love it. And Netflix is going to give new parents unlimited paid time off during the first year after the arrival of a new baby. Nice. That's crazy. I love it. Parents, not moms, parents. Parents. I love it. So I was just talking to my buddy Frank. His his wife's having a baby, and he's talking about how much time he should take off and all that. So... It's just interesting, and it's only for salaried employees that are in part of the streaming service, so it doesn't unfortunately go to the hourly workers and things like hey, that. Hey, it's but a start. It's a start. Because what this is is uh, – yeah, I've talked to a few people about this, and everyone's like, well, what are they going to do? And mm-hmm. what, are, what are they going to do when they're not working? This is a cultural shift. Mm-hmm. This is bigger than just what's this one person who takes paternity leave or maternity leave is going to do. There is plenty to do when you have a baby, and one of the things you do is you take care of yourself so you can take care of the baby. Not everything is about filling up every moment with typical work productivity. This is a this is a huge cultural shift in the way we see the importance of family. So I I think it's fantastic, and I hope that um, more people, more companies, but companies yeah. are people, right? Yeah. Um, oh, isn't that what was that about? 
companies are wasn't there a supreme court ruling the fly just zoomed past me you're thinking about uh, campaign financing yeah the supreme court said that a corporation is an individual and an individual can give as much money as they want so it's actually a bad thing i was gonna say that's a bad thing but isn't for from our perspective yeah basically corporations are buying elections Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And that's when Barack uh, called out uh, the Supreme Supreme Court Court. at the State of the Union saying, basically, I cannot believe that you guys okayed this. Right. Because- And girls. Yeah. Regardless of what the- all the reasoning they had, you got to look at the bigger picture. What's happening to our political system because of this? Yeah. What is the result of your ruling? Yes. Um, so anyway, but getting off that topic, go ahead. My last thing. Yes. Thank you for your patience, by the way, sweetie. Yeah, I'd like to get to the next thing. I saw something on um, somebody, some people are complaining about back to school lists and how it's like, you know, you got to buy 30 glue sticks and all yeah. these pencils and all these pens. Ba- basically, it says if you're not purchasing, purchasing the supplies, it's very likely your teacher will have to. with his or her own money. She wants parents who can budget in school supplies without experiencing a financial burden to quit complaining about some of the items being communal. Uh, And she said, instead, vote for politicians who will quit cutting money from schools, um, so on and so forth. So what's your point you're trying to make that people are... The point is a lot of people complain like, oh, I can't believe that I have to buy all these things. This should just come from the school. The bottom line is the school doesn't have money. So instead, the teacher... If you don't have to, the teacher would have to. Really? Or they simply don't have those supplies in their school. Interesting. I, I you look confused. I'm not confused. Oh. Everything you're saying, I hear. I just have never heard anyone complain about buying school supplies. Sweetie, people complain about everything. I know they do, but I, when I was a kid, we were buying school supplies. Mm-hmm. Like this, you're the one using them. Mm-hmm. Like, why would the teacher buy the school well, supplies? Well, and there's something funny about how you need to buy so many of certain things. I don't True. know. People just complain. And and that's kind of the – but there's something so wonderful. Like I, I see, you know, my girls have their boxes upstairs. We just got their school supplies last week, um, you know, and on the list, yeah, three glue sticks. And so you think to yourself, well, like, well, what's wrong with one glue stick? Well, there's something about communal living right. where everybody's kind of sharing between themselves and – as we all know, one glue stick could break. It could dry out. It could be um, used up. We've got to like think big picture. And then if there is leftover, isn't is it a problem to donate that to the next class? Or you know, I think it just is kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. I know that man. wasn't really relevant, but I just like to use that drop. All right. So let's talk about. Gender and books and movies, sweetie. Okay. So I got this email from a listener named Anne, um, and she and I kind of emailed back and forth about this because this happened to come up with Todd and I too. So I'm just going to kind of paraphrase her her initial email. Um, She said, my daughter's nine years old. I'm her Girl Scout leader. We have 24 scouts in the group, and I'm very involved in school. So I've had an opportunity to check out what most of the kids are into. And here's what I've observed. My daughter and her girlfriends read a lot of books, and the main character can either be male or female. They don't even seem to consider this. They're just as more, you know, just as likely to read either. Most of them have read, for example, Harry Potter, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, etc. She said, but I found this is not true for boys. I've taken an unofficial poll, and boys admit that they're, let's see, oh, here it is. I've taken an unofficial poll of my friends who have boys, and they admit that their boys have never and probably would never read a book with a female main character. This may change as they get older because she she brings up the Hunger Games. 
um, because The Hunger Games obviously has a female protagonist. But I find it disturbing, and I would love to have a a discussion about what it is in our culture that inadvertently implies that it's not masculine to see a girl or woman as a central figure in a story. Now, why I was like – I wrote back to her. I said, Anne, how how timely because – First of all, I've seen that too, and I'm sure a lot of parents have on both sides who have boys and girls. And it's not, please know this is not something we need to fight about or something that we need to say is the hugest problem in the world. It's not. Put them up. Put them up. (laughs) But it's interesting. I think it's everything that we're trying to do on this show is let's kind of look at things and 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 ask the question why, even if we don't find an answer, even Mm. if it's a multi-layered answer, Why? So Todd and I went to see uh, Trainwreck, Amy Schumer's movie, about two weeks ago on my birthday, actually, didn't we? Um, And we're Amy Schumer fans um, for many reasons. And so we kind of went in knowing what it was about. But it's a really crass movie, which we knew would be. And she's not in the movie necessarily the most likable gal. She's not the gal next door, put it that way. Um, But there is definitely some... She has redeeming characteristics and she definitely has an arc, you know, where she learns some things. But when we walked out of the movie, um, Todd kind of was surprised at how much I did like it. I'm speaking for you. Is that true? I thought it was a good movie. Nothing special. Okay. Um, I did say that she was just really unlikable. Yes. And that was kind of maybe the, the trigger. trigger for the discussion. And so, you really liked the movie. Well. A lot. When Todd said she was really unlikable, I kind of stopped and looked at him and I said, do you know how many movies, romantic comedies, dramas, whatever, I have sat through where the male protagonist is so unlikable, mm-hmm. right. yet I'm somewhat spoon-fed that I need to fall in love with this guy right? and that he's going to be redeemed and that, you know, I said, when we see a movie with a male protagonist, no one ever walks out and says, wow. He was really unlikable. Right. Uh, well, maybe. I shouldn't say no one. Maybe some people do, but well, it's just well, Almost accepted. always there is redemption at the end. So yes. whether it's female or male. Yes. Um, and to kind of tell you what my perspective was on it, like, and I, there could have been some issues like because she was female, it was maybe something that I did not enjoy as much had right. it been... But, you know, we started talking about Judd Apatow movies, which are all really good. We're big fans of it. And this ranks in the middle of the Judd Apatow movies that I've seen. Um, so Trainwreck is one, Knocked Up. This is 40, 40-year-old version. So there is this arc. Um, but she was just really kind of an ugly personality. Like she was really not – she was unkind towards her family. She was but unkind see, towards that guy. And now you're saying guys are the exact same way in those movies, right? Right. But you and I had this conversation last night about her being unkind to her family. She is the one who took care of her dad, mm-hmm. not her sister. I'm just thinking of certain scenes. I know. And she was a smart ass yeah. to her sister. But she was able to say to her sister, which this was transparent to me from the beginning, mm-hmm. she was envious of what her sister had had right she had taken what her dad had taught them and integrated it into herself right and her sister had chosen a different path yeah the married and kids path and she had she loved her sister and they had a great relationship see that's the thing too she wasn't awful to her sister Mm. she made fun of her sister's husband Mm. and she was and their kid and their kid and and that that gets redeemed also Mm. do you remember when she sees him for who he is and then i think the point of the movie is and i don't know if we want to like get into the layers of the movie but i just didn't feel like the redemption was earned 
and I'm just talking about a, from a movie storytelling perspective, it just seemed like all of a sudden she decides that she's going to be a good person. And you pointed out a few parts of the movie somewhere between the middle and the end, like, oh, no, she kind of went through a process of her of these traumatic things happening. And, you know, I really, I think the bottom line comes down to that we can all analyze Trainwreck and say, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. It's not the best movie in the world, but I really enjoyed it. I think what I was breaking down with Todd's thinking without being blaming, I mean, Mm. obviously Todd's one of the most open-minded people I know, especially when it comes to gender issues, is to question that idea of she's unlikable because let's break that down. Like like you said, you were already talking about the other Jed Apatow movies or any other let's think about the male protagonists and how crappy they can be to people Mm -hmm. let's think about you know sopranos and how you know james gandolfini's character everyone's like oh i love tony soprano even though he kills people and he's disloyal towards his wife exactly and And we have to adjust to that so when a woman can i read uh one of the my favorite excerpts from tina fey's book which i was able to find very quickly oh nice job i know well i think it's a popular one So in Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants, she kind of addresses this in an interesting way. And you guys will like this story because it has a bunch of people you know. So she starts by saying, Amy Poehler was new to SNL and we were all crowded into the seventh floor writer's room uh, waiting for the Wednesday read-through to start. There were always a lot of noisy comedy bits going on in that room. Amy was in the middle of some such nonsense with Seth Meyers across the table and she did something really vulgar as a joke. I can't remember what it was exactly except it was dirty and loud and unladylike. Jimmy Fallon, and let me say this before I continue, I love Jimmy Fallon, right. but this he's involved in this. Jimmy Fallon, Fallon, who was arguably the star of the show at the time, turned to her and in a squeamish voice said, stop that. It's not cute. I don't like it. Mm. Amy dropped what she was doing, went black in the eyes for a second, wheeled around on him and said, I don't effing care if you like it. Jimmy was visibly started, startled. Amy went right back to enjoying her ridiculous bit. Mm. And I think that's, and again, without throwing Jimmy under the bus or making anyone a villain here, girls are expected to always be cute and ladylike. And if they're not, if they have that dirtiness to them, and when I say dirty, I don't mean visual, I Mm -hmm. mean that, that, uh, what's that raw quality? Ooh, I don't like it. And and Amy Poehler uh, exemplified those qualities in this movie. So you can say maybe that I was, uh, sorry, Amy Schumer. You can say maybe that I had the Jimmy Fallon response in this situation, but I I deferred to Bridesmaids, which I love that movie. So I really don't for, you know, this is just me personally. I don't think it was like a male, female thing because Bridesmaids was absolutely hilarious. And I don't know if there is the ugliness in the characters of of the personality traits of the women and bridesmaids as there was train wreck. I don't know. We'd have to like, it, we'd have to really deep. dig deep. But one of the things that I think, you know, cause I've talked about that movie with people too, is it because Melissa McCarthy's character was so over the top, mm-hmm. it w- was that easier to accept Yeah, maybe Amy Schumer's was too realistic. Exactly. And that sometimes we take that thing to extremes. I was watching 30 Rock the other night, shocking, and uh, 
the character Jenna Maroney on the show, she's it's this I think it's like in the third season or second season, she gains a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And because during that summer she was on Broadway for the Mystic Pizza Broadway show, she had to eat pizza every night. <laughs> so anyway, she gains a lot of weight and she makes a comment to Jack Donaghy or to Liz saying, You either gotta be really fat mm-hmm. or you gotta be skinny skinny. Yeah. Because one of those experience one extremes. of those are accepted. Yeah. Those extremes. But anywhere in the middle right. is not acceptable. Right. And so my point is is that I think sometimes we just want to categorize. Women yeah. either need to be here or there and we forget about that gray. For sure. And Amy Schumer, um, like one of the other uh, female comedians that I love, Sarah Silverman, um, they have a beautiful mixture of both, mm. which is why I follow them both. Because I think they have um, of course, their humor is crass, and would I say everything they say? No, but there's something about them being themselves yeah. and being like, oh, they're brave. They're brave, and they're so ballsy, and, and they, they don't care of how like Amy Poehler. She, you think she cared what Jimmy Fallon was going to respond? She's like, I don't care what you think's cute. That's not why I'm here in this writing room, right? And you love that courageousness. I do. I just love women like that. If strong women, because it's who they are. Yeah. See, strong women, strong women in another way, like Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. It's a different who they are. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily going out there and being crass, but she's breaking down barriers in other ways. Right. You know, um, the Eleanor Roosevelts of our world. It's yeah. it's not about you have to be a comedian and be crass. Yeah. That's just one way right. to to demonstrate all these different ways that women are. Mm-hmm. So, getting back to the books, yeah. I think that Anne's email that I read to you 15 minutes ago um, makes a valid point that um, girl, like I'll just speak for my own girls. Um, my daughter Cameron loves the Diary of a Wimpy Kid mm-hmm. book. She loved the Amulet books, mm-hmm. and, those and those were very boy centric. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a girl. What in about it. the smile one? Um, no, that's girl. That's, that's girl. much more girl centric. But smile's a good example. Are any boys reading smile? I don't know. Um, you know, are any boys reading drama or it's sisters? Is you because know? Because what I was going to say is it could be a thing of uh, availability. Like I, I think as a boy, I would much more rather read books about boys because that's it's easier to identify with them. Of course, and that's a rational thing to say. But what we're trying to say is why then is Cameron reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid? And the question is, is are other are these books available? Well, that I would... They're certainly not mainstream. I mean, other than Katniss and a few others, is, how many top 10 selling books for kids that are 10 years old have a female protagonist? Well, there, I don't know. I can't answer that question. And there's no way that I can say that it's even because I don't think it is. But there are plenty of books that girls could choose from if they only wanted to read about girls. Mm -hmm. You know, we can, these are just examples, but, you know, Mm -hmm. Anna, the Green Gables and, you know, Little Women. And Mm -hmm. and then there's all sorts of series that may not be as famous or popular. But if a girl was like, I only want to read things I identify with, Mm -hmm. they could find books about girls. But the things that become most popular are definitely the books with the male protagonists. Yes. And so the question is not so much about it's when the books with girl protagonists come along, mm-hmm. will the boys read them? Like the, like her question, The Hunger Games, are boys who are in fifth grade or up or whatever the age is that's typical, um, our daughter who is going into fifth just started reading those books. Mm-hmm. Did they enjoy those books with Katniss as the protagonist? Right. And I, I'm I'm asking it as a question rather than having an answer. Yeah, I don't know. And 
Um, I wanted to also say on the flip side that I've been a part of many preteen, preadolescent discussions about the Hunger Games, and it's all girls. And they talk about Katniss and how much they love her, but there's a lot of talk about PETA. Mm-hmm. And I have heard these girls say things about PETA being weak or PETA is a wimp. Hmm. And I have been on the huge defense of PETA, not just because I love PETA, which I do, but because they are seeing males in a stereotypical way. I said, you guys, what makes you think PETA is weak? I see. So can you help us understand who PETA is in that story? So in The Hunger Games, there is Katniss, who is the main character. She is, uh, during the reaping, she has to go to The Hunger Games. There's always one boy, one girl. Katniss is the girl. PETA is the boy. So people like to think of this book as a love triangle, but I don't really think of it that way. Um, It just so happens that uh, Katniss's best friend at home is a guy named Gail, and then she goes into The Hunger Games with PETA. So Mm -hmm. she has different alliances in different places. But the thing about PETA is that he doesn't have the skill set that Katniss does, meaning he's not a hunter. And Katniss is pretty numbed out. So, Let me be honest with so you. So would it be safe to say that Katniss displays masculine more qualities? More masculine qualities. And PETA displays more feminine. More feminine. But at the same time, I feel he's balanced. Hmm. Like she – he is the one who's kind of the voice of reason mm-hmm. a lot. He is also the one – that shares how he really feels. Yeah. He is the one that allows himself to be helped. Right. But he's also what inspires her yeah. at the same time. Well, here, this is very interesting because I think that what you're saying is girls may um, judge Peter's character. Yes. Why is he such a wimp? Why is he yes. such a wuss? Why is he this? Why is he that? And to put this into real world terms... All as a man, all we ever hear is how we need to be more sensitive and all that. And you, thankfully, are not somebody that when I do display these more feminine, sensitive qualities, you nurture that. Correct. But I think there's a lot of women out there who are married to men that when they do kind of stretch outside of their comfort zone and do kind of expose some of their vulnerabilities, that they either overtly or secretly look down upon that quality in their man. So like, what can we possibly do to satisfy the expectations of the females in our lives? And this is why we have the fly is around Todd's head. Look at him. Look at how bold he is. He's sitting on, oh, are you trying to Miyagi him? I tried to catch him. He's trying to catch him in his hand like Mr. Miyagi. (laughs) Are you going to get him with your chopsticks? I might. Didn't Miyagi get him with the chopsticks? No, Daniel did on the first try. Miyagi got frustrated. Oh, yeah, yeah. Daniel-san. (laughs) Daniel-san. Um, so, so what do you think of that? So this is what I, first of all, I think what you're saying is very true. And the reason why we're having this conversation is not to give a solution, but to have you guys think about the way you process things because we can sit here and to Anne's point, which I completely agree with say, why aren't boys reading books with girl protagonists? And then on the same time, when girls are reading a book with a girl protagonist, why are they ripping on the guys mm-hmm. who are kind of taking on, like you said, more – it's not that they're taking on a feminine role. They just are displaying qualities that are often feminine – they're often feminized. How's okay. that? Because the other thing is I'm like, you guys – and this is what I go through all the time with them. Think about what PETA did. Mm-hmm. PETA is – PETA like – 
totally bonded with um, people from District 1 and 2 to keep himself safe and to keep Katniss safe. That was really risky. Mm -hmm. He also obviously helped Katniss get away after the whole tracker jacker thing, totally saved her there. Then he didn't want her to go back and get the medicine for him. He's like, I... You take care of you. Don't worry about me. And he's she, an upstanding individual. And then let's go to Catching Fire. And I'm sorry to ruin it for anybody, but he says when Hamish is chosen to go back into the second Hunger Games, the Quell, he says, "I'm going. Mm-hmm. I'm taking your place." Strong. How is that not a strong character? He has the beauty of both, mm-hmm. and he's also he's. I mean, he's an upstanding kid, right? And so. That's why I get on the girl's case is I'm like, I know they're just having girl talk and I don't want to like be. But no, that so... that becomes that's perpetuates a an ideology mm-hmm. because I think, you know, it's kind of like the whole bad boys thing. Yes. You know, girls in high school or college or maybe grownups. The idea of the bad boy is a really kind of risky, attractive thing. And, you know, I was never the bad boy. I was more the straight and narrow guy. Sweetie, you're such a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, not not something. But what about your leather jacket and motorcycle? Yeah, didn't have any of that. I'm scared, too scared to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> so I'm not the bad boy. So there's many times in high school and I'd be like, why are these girls paying so much attention to these guys who are jerks? Right. And that would lead me to be, well, maybe I should start being a jerk and then I can get the girl. So you see how this gets very confusing for us guys. It does. Well, and for us girls, like Mm -hmm. it's all confusing. And and I don't like to say, oh, it's society and the media because we all know that's comprised of people. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, we've got to question these things and we've got to question where we're doing that in our own lives and where our girls and our boys are picking up on these things. Like, are we in our lives reading books? Um, like for me, am I reading books that are written by women and written by men? Mm-hmm. Are you reading books written by women and written by men? And I'll be honest, most of the authors that I choose are all men. Yeah. See, that's and something. Marianne to- Williamson has more wisdom than most people who have ever f- set foot on this earth. But I just something about it. I, I am much more attracted to male teachers than female teachers. And I and I have both like I really have a I think a even though there's female teachers who I can definitely identify with more. Mm-hmm. I don't ever think about gender when I find someone's wisdom. It's like yeah. whatever you got. Yeah, it doesn't take matter. It. But what's interesting is that. There are, I can't remember if I talked about this on a show a few times ago. We were talking about um, women's voices and Todd and I actually did a whole show on voices and, um, you know, the NPR interview that we heard. But one of the things that uh, was discussed in a later NPR interview was how women's voices really graded on certain people. So let's break that down really quick. So we did a show about how girls sometimes use upspeak and certain... Um, intonations of mm-hmm. their voice, and uh, it comes off sounding very non-confident Correct. and all these. So we basically kind of exposed this, at least you know, brought it up, brought it up, yeah, brought it. So to then, the a attention. few weeks later, you listened to an NPR so, interview, yeah. So Todd's talking about upspeak and vocal fry, and that we were kind of saying, yeah, it can make girls sound a certain way. Then there was an interview later that they talked about how upspeak and vocal fry. Maybe that's how girls talk. And are we then again criticizing women for being who they are? And I think there's a place in the middle. I think that sometimes the the problem 
was saying, well, that's just the way girls talk. Let's let it go. When we talk about upspeak, upspeak has a quality just naturally of sounding unsure of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, well, do you think we'll go there? And then he's going to do that. It just doesn't sound confident. Now, it is how girls talk, but it's not – I don't believe it to be authentic. It, oftentimes it's not. And and let me say this. There's a lot of boys who are picking up on upspeak too, as we've said. So it's not just female. But yeah. let me go back to what I was going to say is that they have found when they've put a lot of women on the air that they've gotten more people calling in or writing in saying, I don't like that person's voice. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they've – they I can't say never, but they said they didn't even have a file mm-hmm. for anybody that had been – that had called and said they didn't like a male, mm-hmm. uh, you know, broadcaster's voice. Yeah. So, you know. So people are hypercritical of the women, whereas the guys get a free pass. Exactly. And let me go back to Amy Schumer for a second. I was listening to an interview with her um, talking to Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how when she first started in comedy, she realized that she had to keep her bits really short and tight. And she wouldn't even stay on stage that long because she kept saying, people don't really like to hear women talk. Mm. Finally, Stern was like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. You know, And she's like, I have just learned from all these years of being on stage that people don't like to hear a woman talk for that long of a period of time. Mm. They literally – it's like a, they, it's an undeserved space almost. Mm. And again, she's only speaking from her situation. Right. But she learned how to use that to make her more effective. Yeah. So instead of taking that and saying this isn't fair and stomping, mm-hmm. she said this is just a reality I'm experiencing. Yeah, right. So – and it's not fair. Um, but how can I take it and 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 – you know, learn something from it and change people's viewpoint. Right. You know what I mean? She's like, I'm going to be a, a changer, which right. she was. So I'm saying all that because I think that that's the piece when we talk about equality is that a lot of people don't like to talk about feminism and equality because they're like, oh, you know, we have to quit, quit victimizing women and we have to quit, um, you know, everything's fair now and I have a female boss and we try and just kind of breeze over these things. But there are some things that are really deeply seated in our culture that many of us don't even recognize. Well, it's kind of like, um, you know, people will say, well, there is no more racism because Barack's president. Yeah, it's It's, it's it's crazy. Silly. (laughs) Or like, oh, what do you mean sexism? Hillary Clinton and Condoleezza Rice. Like, we're all tr- we're all equal. Yeah. And it's just very short-sighted. It's passive. Yeah. It's it's kind it's of convenient a, it, for for somebody to have the opposing viewpoint and to have that to say that. And they can look at their experience and look around in the room they're standing in and saying, "Hey, I see everything is fair." Mm-hmm. But you got to have a wider view. Brian Stevenson um what is the word he, he uh one word that he used. Oh, what is it? You have to be there to ignite uh, context no not context it, i remember because he went through the four things that we have to have to be compassionate yeah right? yeah and you need to be uh proximity proximity yeah. that's it you yeah. of course if you're sitting in a room at a dinner party saying oh no everything is fair go live in the inner city of some african-american girl who has no education no choices no support the only way for us to to see that is to be close to it. Yes. And I live in a live in a bubble of living in a 
you know, nice suburb. So I don't know what it's like. I still do feel compassionate towards that. But a lot of people who are in my position don't because they don't see it. Well, let's talk about our friend Roman who wrote the book about empathy and who just opened the Empathy Museum or is in the process of opening the Empathy Museum. One of his biggest things, his biggest uh, pieces of the Empathy Museum is stepping in someone else's shoes, literally, where you go into the Empathy Museum and you talk with someone who's homeless. Mm -hmm. You talk with someone who may be from the inner city who doesn't have a lot of resources. You talk with someone who is an immigrant. And so instead of having these formulated knowledge-based opinions, you actually interact with someone and Mm -hmm. hear their worldview and it will shift you forever. And that is all that we're trying to say when it comes to gender issues, you know, sexism, racism, ageism is until you've experienced it, you don't know what's right for everybody. So Roman, we, we were on some call with, um, with him. Yeah. And he's been on the show. And we had him on the show Mm -hmm. and talk about somebody who's doing things. He's creating Mm -hmm. a museum on empathy and it's in England. Are we going to go? Maybe, maybe, maybe maybe not. No time, anytime soon. But what we can do, but what we can do is he's doing a crowdsourcing thing right now. It's at empathymuseum.com. And it says, join the empathy revolution here. So if you happen to be somebody who's in a position to help out, you know, throw five bucks his way. So his uh, Facebook page is Roman Krasarek. And will you spell that for everybody? Uh, let me see. Where and you know you? what's fun about it, Todd? When you donate, you have to change pounds to dollars oh, to really? figure out how much you're donating. It's uh, K-R-Z-N-A-R-I-C. That's his name. Roman Krasnarek. Krasnarek. I forgot the N. Yeah. Because you remember when you asked him how to say it? Yeah. He said you just say like it's a, Just, just like, like it's spelled. written. Krasnarek. So anyways, we'll put that in the show notes too. But uh, I, you know, if you have something... And and Roman's whole point, his teaching, where I kind of feel like Todd and my teaching is self-awareness and how that leads to everything else. It's like the doorway. His teaching is how then empathy leads to everything else, is that once you get in the shoes of somebody else, you can't help but feel the, the grandness of everybody else's experience and recognize that you don't know everything about the world and that really what we're here to do is help each other and be one rather than separate and say, you know well, everybody should just pull themselves up by their bootstraps because I did. That's just kind of a, that's a, I used to get arguments with my relatives at Christmas as like a high schooler and because they would be, have very judgmental thoughts about how populations. Yes. And I've always subscribed to the idea the fact that I happen to be not blessed, but lucky enough to be a white male in this world. It, it, dwindles any other reason for me to complain about anything. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of opportunity. Everybody else has it harder than we do, generally speaking. Generally speaking. But I am, you know, Louis C.K. has a really funny stand-up about a time machine and how, you know, if you are a white person, you can go in a time machine. A white male. A white male, and you can go in a time machine and land anywhere and have no problems. (laughs) But God forbid you are a person of color or a female you know, you, don't you can get to stoned to, to death just for showing up. <laughs> it, that's right. And I love him, just like I love other comedians, for making us see something right. that we ha- that is difficult for us to say in words. Mm-hmm. But when it's put into a comedy bit, we laugh because we know it's true. Right. And this is, again, we're going so deep on Anne's email here um, because these small ideas – or not small ideas, but these things that we say, well, that's just about a book. That's no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's steeped. 
yeah. in deeper history and deeper meaning mm-hmm. and you know uh, deeper awareness right. than sometimes we like to let on. Right. We like to be very like um, disconnected from things like this and say, that's no big deal. And I'm not going to tell my kid what to read. Well, you don't have to tell your kid what to read, right. but you might want to be thoughtful about the choices you're making and how you talk about males and females because your children are picking up on that. Right. Obviously they're picking on, picking up from it, from their peers too. Um, and I don't know where we are, but she, we're there was, running late. So oh, we are. Yes. Okay. All right. Do you want to finish this up? Well, um, I just wanted to read the second email she sent me, and we won't dive into it, but she just – it's another piece. She said, I was at the bookstore today. So this is the second email she sent me. We were going back and forth. She said, a very nice guy who was helping me pick out a gift said he had observed the same thing that I had Mm -hmm. about boys only picking out books that had boy protagonists. Furthermore, he said he had noticed parents discourage boys from reading books with a girl on the cover, designating it a girly book. Yeah. Having read the Harry Potter series way before my daughter was ever born, it would never have occurred to me to call it a boy book and discourage her from reading it. I also share with my bookstore helper guy, she shared this with him, my suspicion that female authors who write books with a male protagonist use their first initials, J.K. Rowling, R.J. Palacio, who wrote Wonder, because boys might otherwise hesitate to read it. Interesting. Or it's an editor who makes these decisions and they don't even give the boy, you know, the, uh, the boys a chance. Mm-hmm. I'm not certain where the messages are coming from. But I'm determined to keep exploring and questioning. First step is awareness. And that's all I like to do. I don't have any final answers about it. I just like to explore and question. Well, it's a good way to finish that subject up. Yes. Good job. Our second partner is John J. Kelly Dentistry, chicagodentistonline.com. Uh, check him out. He is uh, does all different types of things with uh, dentistry, including... Um, Dentisting? <laughs> <laughs> facial orthotropics, which is another fancy term for airway and facial development. So uh, he's working on two of our three kids right now. So he's the goods. Um, so I want to give a review. Um, Who are you reviewing? Tracy. From, oh, review from Tracy. Yeah. She's from Sweden, sweetie. She likes this. She says, I can't remember... Uh, she gave us an iTunes review a little while back. But the iTunes it doesn't review show up is an international she's from Sweden, review, right? yeah. Can't remember all what I wrote on that review, but a bit of it was about feeling like I'm a part of a parenting group when I listen to your show. There were moms groups galore down there, but my parenting beliefs didn't always fit in. I've never found a parenting moms group here, so imagine my joy when I stumbled across CPR about a year ago. I love listening to how you work through your thoughts as you're having them. I love hearing you encourage your listeners to take what we can from what you share, but always strive to find themselves and their own beliefs and ways to live by. I especially love the June 30th podcast about preteens, teens, and fights. Mm. Uh, That's Tracy. And then I think she wanted us to... She has a daughter named Astrid. Astrid. Hi, Astrid. Hey, Astrid. Thanks for letting your mom listen. Yeah, way to be. And then one other review I'll... Uh, talk about is somebody from cd vaughn she was lost or he but now he or she is found sweetie nice. uh being a stay-at-home mom she's a mom three kids under five yikes three kids under wow five. that's busy i was finding myself more and more frustrated with behaviors my kids were expressing the anger i was feeling towards them i hear you my <laughs> husband even the world i found myself having absolutely no patience and with the most important people in my life followed by intense anger and depression I set out answers and I found this podcast. 
Not only do Kathy and Todd give their own relatable experiences from marriage into parenting, Kathy's educated background has given me the support and confidence to become self-aware and become a better mother. Great. They've given me a different perspective on life and truly turned my life around. Wow. Highly recommend listening to their podcast if you need a fresh outside perspective. Well, thank you. Thank you, ladies. That very, was very, very kind. Much. So now I would like to uh, promote a few things. We have uh, a friend who is doing the Emerging Leaders in Philanthropy class, sweetie. Oh, so allowance for good. Yes. Let me let me frame it that way. So our friend Jean Playstead, who um, we had on the show, probably it was probably a year ago, um, she was on because she and her husband Jeff went to Nicaragua mm-hmm. and they had – they went – uh, they went for their anniversary and had an amazing experience and then ended up going back with their sons who are eighth grader and a fifth grader. Ben and Luke. Ben and Luke. And they went back. And so she, while she was there for the second time, um, met a group um, that was from an organization called Alliance for Good. And what Alliance for Good does is they train kids, offer classes to kids on how to be philanthropic world leaders. Mm-hmm. What that means is how to... Um, have a worldview, a global view of how we can help and support each other and give them the tools they need to actually make a difference, not just the knowledge of why it's important, but here's what you can do. Now, here's the cool thing. Allowance for Good is based in Evanston, Illinois. And so that's where the classes are held. Jean is going to teach the classes this semester in Elmhurst. Yes. So our hometown Mm -hmm. is going to have this Alliance for Good leadership program Mm -hmm. Um, for teenagers who want to become global leaders. It's eight weeks starting Tuesday, September 22nd from 4.30 to 6 o'clock. I think it's taking place at the library and it's for students between 13 and 18. So We will have all this information on our show notes. If you happen to be from the Chicagoland area and you have a son or a daughter who might be interested in some of these amazing things, um, click on the link that we'll provide in the show notes. Yes. Or email us if you're like, I can't find it. Like, don't hesitate to email us. I put it on the Facebook page the other day, too. If you happen to be on Facebook, I wrote all about it. But um, I just think this is like everything that Todd and I try and talk about of going beyond and seeing how you can impact because this is not just about us changing the world and doing other people favors. Right. We get something out of it. If you have a child who, like, sees the worldview and they're not quite sure where they belong, this is the kind of opportunity that can solidify how they feel about themselves. They can see their, their, the meaning of what they do and how they belong. So this goes both ways. Um, And then I have my Zen finance class coming up in September. Uh, Take control, get support and have less arguments about money. Um, It's going to be interactive. It's going to be only 12 people or less. Um, all the information is gonna is on our events uh, link on zenparentingradio.com. I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna um, go. We're gonna part of the teaching is gonna be with the assistance of a book that I read um, about six months ago called Money Master the Game. But it's gonna be much more interactive than simply going over certain things. It's going to be putting these ideas into practice. So hopefully. Um, men, women, doesn't matter. Even and actually, it can be virtual. You can live anywhere, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's all on the phone. Or I don't know if I'm going to do like a Google chat or if I'm going to do 
uh, conference calls, but it will be very easy. So it doesn't matter where you live. So yes. for those of you who just heard that, you don't have to live in Elmhurst. You can live anywhere. You can live in Zimbabwe, sweet. And be part of this group. Yes. Exactly. 12 people or less, but it's going to be great. So anyways, and then uh, what about our Zen Parenting Conference? We want to talk about that at all? Well, before we talk about the conference, I want to talk about our, our softball team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give a shout out to our Zen Parenting Radio softball team because we played yesterday for this uh, charity function that was um, put together by Gracious Gifts here in Elmhurst. And we had this amazing softball team that we put together. And we were so amazing, but we lost both games. We were really amazing <laughs> and we lost both of our games. Our amazingness didn't necessarily come from our skills as much as we all played with heart. Spirit. Because, and actually, we weren't bad. I said afterwards, I said, I, that wasn't embarrassing. We didn't like, no, get we didn't killed. get embarrassed. We just got beat. We just got beat. But, you know, the bottom line is we did not win the games, but they were, it's not like we got. And we're coming back next year. Stronger and better, meaner and Big, leaner. Bigger and better uh, than ever. Yeah. Um, so, and then Zen it's, Parenting Conference. It's, we actually are pretty excited. Don't give it away. I won't. We have the marketing material together. We have a tagline. The website is being put together, but we're not going to give that all to you until it's ready to be up there. March 11th and 12th of 2016. That's right. So I hope you are mentally figuring out how you're going to get there. All the details about this awesome conference um, are going to be available on our our website very soon. But if you have any questions now, feel free to email us and we will answer everything we can. Um, but it's just coming along beautifully. Yes. We're I, excited. I'm so excited about this conference. And then I have my monthly uh, tribe men's group that I facilitate with my good friend named Frank. And that is something that you need to be local. So if you live in the Chicagoland area and you're a man and you want to have uh, authentic discussions about anything and everything. We meet once a month, and uh, the group is actually getting stronger and stronger every month. So, if you're interested, go to the tribemensgroup.com and uh, learn a little bit more about it. And then there's some links about to get more information. From and me. if you go to our Zen Parenting Radio page, it's up there too. Yep. Like our Zen Parenting Radio page is now more comprehensive. It has everything we do mm-hmm. all in one place. Yep. So, zenparentingradio.com. Um, and then, sweetie, you have two books called... I have three books, babe. Three books. Sorry, I'm reading and talking at two the years, same babe. time. Two years, babe. Um, I have uh, Self-Aware Parent 1, Self-Aware Parent 2, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. And you can order those through my website, which is unparentingradio.com, or through Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then our third and final partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, avidco.net. Painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Gosh, we just have a lot of advertising these days. I know, and we stick it at the end of the show. Just you probably intersperse it. No. You don't think so? No. But don't you think people stop listening after a certain point? Not the true ones. The, the, the ones, we love all our listeners, but the ones that we love the most are the ones that are listening to this right now. The ones that... Listen to all 53 minutes and 42 you mean seconds. Us talking of it. right this second? Right now. If somebody's listening, yes. they, they win the Cool Award. Yes. Cool and the, the Gang. The Fonzie Award. So I'm going to say keep trucking. Sun's out, guns out. And I am going to say have a great week and enjoy back to school because we go back to school yep. this week. Adios. Adios.